Greetings from the Seventh Circle. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Seventh Circle of Film. I'm your host, as always, Kieran, and today we are sponsored by Raidcon Raid VPN. Place your e-mobile games there, letting the FBI or your friends know how you're wasting your life. And join... <laughs> yeah, I did like that on you a while. <laughs> and joined today by Mike Aiden. Hello. Pretty good. How are you? Good. I feel like I'm bringing you on to the weird, like, demon ones. Yeah, I mean, that does seem like... The last one was Hellraiser, wasn't it? Mad God. Mad God? No, no. Hellraiser was before that, even. Mm. I do have an affinity for my really bizarre, weird demon things, so... Yeah. And then this was weird. Yeah, it was weird, but I don't think it was... Like, it actually did have a lot of Hellraiser vibes to it, especially with regards to the um those two people that are, like, Lowe's victims. Oh, yeah, and 100%. The BDSM Satan creature... BDSM, uh, like, Nazi demon. How, how would I say? It's like if Hellraiser was done in Power Rangers, that kind of um, Psycho Gorman thing that we watched. Oh, well, the costumes for this sort of definitely I, are, yeah. I think the tone as well. Just just say for anyone <laughs> listening in who hasn't seen it, uh, we are going to go into spoilers, which would ruin the film if you've not seen it before. There's um, a lot of twists and turns throughout it, and you really need to watch it blind if you can. It's hard as shit to find. I, God knows how I managed to get a DVD myself. I've heard that the director's doing his best to re-release it out. I had to get an American fucking player after that Brian Blessed shit. Thank God I had one. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, if you're not worried about spoilers, listen on. Otherwise, try to find it somewhere. I don't think it's on streaming anywhere in any country. Annoyingly enough, so VPN's not going to help you in the slightest. Good luck. And it, it is, I suppose, spoiler-free. I quite enjoyed it. It's a solid, like, 6, 7 out of 10. It's kind of slightly campy music fun. I think you liked it more than that. Too. Okay, yeah, I might have liked it more than that as I'm going around. You know, on a second viewing, I liked it a lot more than that. Because like, I think you really like those sorts of films where it's like where it's like deep conversation and sort of I don't know, slightly weird and, and different. I think you really like those sorts of things. Yeah, I can't lie. I like some of the theatrical bent to it. I've got a real and, and soft it, spot for that. It did play like it was like a play rather than rather than a film. You know, like. Oh, 100%. This would work perfectly. I mean, stuff like Dogville, Birdman, favourite film at that point, um, Rear Window, My Dinner with Andre, Frankenstein, always love the set design on the end of that. Just anything with that kind of conversational back and forth feel. Like, it could be, it, this could easily move to the stage. And honestly, I think it would work better on the stage than um, on an actual film. film. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. I mean, it wouldn't be hard. It's only like they use like about three different backgrounds or sets the entire time. They could just you know like have them drop down from the ceiling in a play. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, three different sets and about you. You wouldn't even need like an act break to change the uh, the lighting and everything to change the scenery around. You no, could you just really push on. Yeah. Um. Okay. I, I recommend watching it before uh, we listen to this. We've probably just made it sound really shit. It probably is to a lot of people. It, I mean, for me personally, I know Kieran, uh, he particularly would really like this. But for me, um, I, I can appreciate the story and I can appreciate the writing, but I did find it kind of boring at times. That's fair. I, I'd say it's paced well, but it's a film that really has to stretch out to hit onto 80 minutes. That, I'll admit. 
100%. It's a short one. So it's a nice nose to just get in, get out as fast as possible, but it's, yeah, it, it does occasionally drag it out because it's just trucking along to an end point that you know is coming is the problem, I think. You know it's going to end with basically him finding his girlfriend or not finding his girlfriend, and it's just going on and on until it reaches that point. Yeah, but why do you think it goes on and on? Do you think that's intentional, or do you think that's because of the budget? I think that's, for one, I think it's because it's the first time viewing it. On the second view round, I genuinely think every single bit of conversation for me was interesting to see the perspective on. When you learn what the actual story is, at the end of it, and there's this nuance to the conversation, double meanings, and you go, oh, that's what the actual intention is. That's what they're trying to do, which is a lot more fun. Uh, I, I think it's half budget and half... Yeah, it's just because the location. There's not much more you could do with it. I think they strung out a lot for a single location showing. It's really hard to do. And when they do it, it's impressive. It's always incredibly impressive. Stuff like Clerks is groundbreaking. <laughs> I think I think when you manage that like one location shoot, it, it's always well fucking done. Right. Oh, I don't know about that. But when it comes to low, I think um, I think what makes low good is because it's like you know like Saw. The original Saw was uh was just all in one location, wasn't it? Really low budget. Uh, well, it wasn't one location, but yeah, pretty much. For it, I think there's a certain magic to doing that with with horror as opposed to any other genre. I think it's it's done more often with horror, as it kind of goes hand in hand, one location, low budget, horror or comedy. You're generally talking the, the nice, smack it out of the park kind of genres. But yeah, it, it, it works as well. Horror's a, re- a great genre to, I don't want to say gimmicky, but where you've got one idea and you just stretch it out for as long as you can. I think horror's one of the best genres you can actually manage that with. Uh, yeah. uh, same with one location stuff, obviously. If you've got one idea, you can do it in one location. Horror. Easiest way to go for it. And this this guy, after watching a lot of his stuff, is short, uh, let me clarify. I've not been able to see any of his other work because it's impossible to find or incredibly expensive. He clearly isn't constrained by genre or anything. He has fun going anywhere. And on that, I should probably just jump into all this quickly. Uh, cast and crew-wise, director, writer... Travis Betts, who's also done The Dead Inside, um, which is a push-on from that zombie uh, musical thing you sent me, I think. ABCs of Death 2.5, which is uh, a load of vignettes kind of thing, all kind of shoved together. I think six films put in, and a load of shorts uh, acted in a film called Dust Up, which will come up again and again through this. Shorts wise, um, I ended up I went onto his website, travisbets.com, and he's got a section with about ten of them, I think it was. Uh, and I just watched all of them. They're only about four minutes, three minutes long each, and there are there are three or four in there that are pretty damn solid. There's one about um, monster under the bed, monster in the closet, kind of thing, trying to take a little girl away. There's I don't know, I forget one that's kind of like Vampire's Kiss, that Nick Cage film with an insane guy trying to make himself look like a vampire. It's quite fun. And then there's these really fucking bizarre ones that, by the looks of it, were originally commissioned by, uh, you remember Smosh? Back in the day. Yeah, they were presumably commissioned by them because they had their logo at the front and shit. And it's basically just, imagine a sci-fi film, um, like Superman, uh, there was Man of Steel, the, the DC one that came out, just done with paper figures all the way through, and that's literally it. It, it was just why 
at Semi Prometheus for some reason. He really likes making really shitty sci-fi films in paper format. I don't know if it, if it does it for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's released a book as well recently, which I haven't gone through again. Pain in the ass to find a lot of this stuff. But if you like doing it, go ahead. Uh, Cast-wise, very small. Chicken or whatever, three major ones. There's only about five, six people in the cast. I'm trying to think now, there's the waiter, there's other demon, yeah. Besides the musicians, there's only about five, six. Five uh, characters? Yeah. I yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm adding like the waiter into that. And I'm, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm adding as well. The waiter and the uh, Nazi demon. And the only thing I can think of is the band there in the backing. And uh, I suppose, oh, the two people that have been tortured. Yes, yeah. There's a couple here and there. Okay, there's about ten people in the cast, but it, it's nothing. The, the three major ones, you've got uh, Jeremiah Birkett, who plays the Demon Low, who was in Evan Almighty, terrible film, LA Confidential, fucking amazing film, and Dust Up, again. Uh, Sarah Lazez, who plays April, who was in The Dead Inside, as I said earlier, Mad Cowgirl, and the film called The Blackout. A load of other stuff as well. On top of all this, and then you've got Ward Roberts, who's playing Justin, who I've seen described as like the, the angry video game nerd. If anyone was into old YouTube back in like 2010, 2009, um, the, the way I see him is is like the guy from Birdemic, just with given a little bit more brain power to push along. He's not nearly as cringy as that, but he isn't the best in the world. He do, he does a lot with what he's given. He wrote and directed Dust Up was in Westworld for a few episodes, was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a few episodes, the Marvel thing, and was in The Nice Guys. Uh, genuinely one of my top five films ever. Budget box office. I've got no fucking clue. That's the problem with like tiny films like this. They're hard enough to Google, let alone find this info for. Uh, so I thought I'd change it up. I've sent a message over to Travis Betts. Whether he responds or not, I've got no idea. Whether he has already, I'll check at the end and say something. Um, and I'll edit in at some point if he does it while I'm in the editing phase. If not, I'll put it in the next episode. Uh, but we're, oh, at least I'm going to take a guess. And I'll um, volunteer, Mike, if you want to take a guess as well of what the yeah, budget was, yeah. roughly. See which one's closer. Yeah. Embarrass ourselves. are expensive to make, but like, I just, I, I don't really understand it. And I am probably, probably going to get it completely wrong. If I said this was filmed over three days. Over three days? Yeah, that might no, help. This was shot over three days. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. Considering it took you like a day for five minutes. Six, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must have just done so much of that in one take. No way did they make it in three days. I don't believe that. I did. It's what I've looked up from a couple different places. That's that's the number I got. Granted, you know it's hard to find shit about this, and that's from bloody disgusting and Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I don't believe three days. I believe it's got to be more than three days. Wishmaster was done in like a month, I think. At twenty-five. Yeah, I mean, I think you need at least like to because I feel like for at least every like. 15 minutes of screen time that's like i don't know a day and i feel at least with this film um given he wrote directed he's got i'm presuming he knows the cinematographers the way i'd do it at least is before i had the location and everything just do face reads 
for weeks on weeks and just get it fucking perfect and then be able to do it first take every time. You, you can pull that off pretty easily. I mean, I'm going for 70 grand. 70 grand, that's how much you reckon yeah. the budget was? That's that's what I'm pushing on. I think it's going to be around that. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, a dollars or pounds? Uh, I'd go dollars, to be fair, because that's, he's American. That's what he's going to push. If you go dollars, I'll go 80,000. I'll go 80,000. 80, 80. Fair enough. Price is rising almost. But I'll, I mean, I'll say who got it if he does get back to me at any point. Uh, I'll quickly go through the rest of the trivia, to be fair. Shot as such, shot over the course of three days, what I can see. I'll, I might ask for clarification, to be fair. Um, inspired by Jans Fogmeyer's Faust. Uh, Jans Fogmeyer, uh, Czech director who, bizarrely, we've actually fucking covered before when we did the Alice film a few months ago now. Uh, yeah, weird puppetry guy. Makes sense that he's into him. And uh, previous costumes, he's done some work on, some taken and recycled from some earlier shorts. Uh, this is all speculation, actually, this one, but they look very similar. And I'm presuming that the costume for Low was retroactively redesigned from Bumps. It's just so similar in Push. And that's that's it. Could not find anything else because it's, it's just a desert out there for some of this stuff. Going in scene by scene. Um, I'm going to just actually off the bat spoil so everyone's on the same page. So go watch it if you want. If you don't want it spoiled, go away right now. Three, two, one, there's your warning. Uh, so obviously low is April. you find that out right at the end when she goes crawling away, um, which recontextualizes a lot of the stuff in the film. The, the second viewing is completely different. Every point, uh, obviously low. I know you've only seen it once, so no, I've seen I've seen like a, I sort of I've seen a good bit of it the second time. Okay, so did it did it change at all when you were watching yeah, it back? Um, like so the scene. And this is like skipping ahead a bit, but there's the scene where um where he says like he's always like berating Low for Low having like lost his half, and at one point he says to Low um. You you were April's friend, weren't you? And like Lo just like let out this like scream of frustration. But like at first, I thought it was like this like scream of anger that like, he could possibly suggest. But then the first thing I thought he was screaming because he was like, "How fucking dare you like think I'd be friends with like a a bitch demon like April?" But then it's like the scream on the second time around is more of like a a scream of frustration of like sadness. Yeah, yeah, that it's 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 everything on that. Everything just kind of gets more melancholy. Through because you realise that oh he's not just an arsehole. he's not just a prick of a demon trying to break this guy and push him into it, he's depressed, genuinely sad, and he wants to protect or she wants to protect um, Justin all the way through. It's not even I suppose halfway through when you get the whole you were friends and all that, and you kind of think oh so he's just trying to he's sad about the friend as well that's been put down. Then it just goes further and further. It's great. It really is fun just kind of pushing and putting two two together. The my, um... my interpretation of Lo was actually kind of different to that. Like I, I didn't think they were like friends. Well, I, I the way I saw saw Lo at first was that Lo was like disappointed in April, like pissed off that April existed, and like had you know like uh, sort of been wronged by April. But obviously, learning that Lo was April, it he completely tilted my. It made my like first opinion of Lo completely wrong. 
Well, it's with the whole, um, there's, a, there's a scene far later into the film where he talks about how April had problems expressing her emotions, how she'd um, just kind of talk and talk and she wouldn't know why she was sad one day, why she was in love the next day, angry the next day. And obviously yeah. that's just him talking about his own problems, just shouting them out into the void. And that, that for me, kind of put up a, oh, they must have been friends. And, or at least, yeah, hated her, but tolerated. It's hell after all, you know. The, you get the friends you can get. Yeah, I get, I get you. And it, it makes it really interesting when you're rewatching through the uh, reminiscing scenes. Through that way, obviously she and him are looking on stuff they already remembered, already knew. The first reminiscing scene, uh, <clears throat> that one, considering, because like Lola like, sort of tilts the entire thing in like you know the, the way you'd expect a demon to stereotypically which is like you know like twisting it so it's like april's like yes please um take me right now and then justin's like defiant against like no that's not how it went it was like a far more does it take uh, me like a french lesbian something like that yeah low like low like you know like there's the fake version of the memory like the whole way through it's it's like low's sort of testing justin's sincerity with with his thoughts and feelings towards um, uh, April? I don't know if, if it's testing the sincerity. I think it's being um, completely flummoxed by the sincerity and wanting him to fuck off. I think it's testing as well. I do think it's. I do think there's a hint of testing in there. There's a hint of like, because because one of the one of the uh, the things that like one of the questions Low always asks Justin is is April worth this much trouble? Like especially once. Once he's swallowed the poison, it's like, you, you can just go. You can just leave. Is she really worth this much trouble? And then I'm realising more and more, like, Lo gradually gets softer and softer throughout the film as he realises, like, Justin's insane commitment. Well, after he drinks poison, I don't think you can push any further than that, yeah. I mean, to, to go from the start, then, um, you have about five minutes eight minutes before you get into the proper more conversational it, it's borderline fuck i can't remember the genre now i hate them where it's just talking all the way through the films um what oh the the uh like the fucking boy i can't remember what the genre is called now hey oh future kieran here uh mumblecore that, that that's the genre mumblecore but i, I can't stand them um e- either way i thought that's what you liked no, I like some of them. I, I, I like when they've got a point, when they've got a purpose, but there are some films where it's talking about nothing, basically, throughout the entire thing, where nothing occurs. That I, I cannot fucking stand. There was that film where a kid was... Um, where they, they filmed the kid from childhood to adulthood. Oh, yeah. I hated it. Every it, fucking second of it. Yeah, I never bother watching it. Whimsical it's bullshit. Whimsical hipster bullshit, the worst kind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Lodus definitely does have a, have a point to it. Yeah, at, at least. It's not just, oh, this is humanity, man. This is just how it is. It's not hippie crap. The, the first, like, eight minutes for it properly gets into it, you've got Low being summoned. There's It's very, um, very occultish. You've got the standard pentagram pushed out. You've got the candles all around. I've got fucking Vietnam flashbacks to my mom's pagan era. You know what it reminds me of? The opening to Hellraiser. Oh yeah, with with Frank at the start and everything. 
Yeah, yeah, there's definitely parallels there. And in this time, like in 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 Hellraiser, the demons are uh, are Frank's doom, but in this, the demons more of like a I don't know a revelation that just ends into some really weird shit. Like, how do you go back from that? How do you go back from like yeah, well, I've I've been in a relationship with a demon. Like how do you go back to normal women from that? <laughs> Maybe he'll be seeking out the lament configuration soon enough. Oh, poor bastard. Like, he's like, oh, yes, I desire pleasure and pain. <laughs> and then now he's like, you know, when Pinhead comes to him, he's like, come, get me. To be fair, I think he was fucked to begin with. He was going to go down that line either way, even if he didn't do this whole learning April was a demon. If my girlfriend was kidnapped in the night personally and the demon knew her name and she had this book. Honestly, I'll cut my losses and go, you know what? She had this book. A demon went out of its way to get her back. She was probably a piece of shit. I think she's probably an awful person. How are you the plot again where, like, you know, like, the Frank gets taken back by the Cenobites, uh, but, like, I, but this time it's the Cenobite who's escaped help rather than, rather than one of the victims. Yeah, and would I go back to rescue a fucking Cenobite? Probably not. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like, again, like, how do you go back to normal, normal women with that being said? Like, your, your, your expectations are through the roof. If, you, if, you, if you've had a demon and what demons can offer you, and the demon's like being, like, you know how like, the Hellraiser demons are sort of, sort of fucked up because it's pleasure and pain, this one's just pleasure. That is a point. He, he isn't going to get turned on by fucking anything in the future. Do you think she was into weird, kinky shit? Oh, gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I bet you, I bet you there are a couple scenes that she was keeping behind the fucking curtain. <laughs> just him in it with a little ball gag in, with leather straps all around and her with just a whip. Fucking go. Mm. Or, or the reverse. She was enjoying the opposite just all the way through. That's why she went for someone so timid. Break him in. <laughs> no, you are right, actually. When she goes to Lanesh, she can't go back. And that he is going to be like, see, like he's going to be doing a few more of those rituals in in, in time with a, with a certain spooky box. It's going to be fucking awkward when he gets to the uh, Nazi demon. Just <laughs> asking him <laughs> instead. First eight minutes, low. Either way, it's got this horrific demon esque growl to him. We've got an incredibly low voice. Uh, there's some pitch correction as well to make it even lower through this part. And some echo added in along with basically him just screaming at Justin for the first while and berating him in such a way. It has a go at him all the way, but it's kind of kind of cheeky element to it. He calls Justin dinner, I think, re-baptizes him that. Yeah, he keeps on like trying to say that if he could get inside the circle, because it's like a protective sphere, the, um, the, uh, like the ritual is, that he would eat, eat Justin. I mean, which I think is slightly playful, at least, when you get further in. It doesn't sound it, but it is. Uh, at the start, though, you don't get that impression. If you didn't tell someone what they were getting into in the first 10 minutes, and I, actually I wasn't told because I got recommended this on uh, Discord. I wasn't told what the fuck it was about. And the first 10 minutes just feel like a generic sort of um, horror, occult, demon summoning thing. That's what it felt like you were getting into. Except, I suppose, in the first like twenty seconds, Justin knocks over a candle. That's your tiny hint that oh, it's not massively dark. The tone, uh, which is a nice touch, a really nice touch to kind of 
ease you into it somewhat and give you an idea that, yeah, it's not going to be just completely doom and gloom all the way. But it, it takes a while until I can't remember what the exact line is. I think it's something along the lines of, uh, are you just going to sit there with shit in your pants or are you going to tell me what you summoned me for? That ah, right. Yeah. immediately turns it on its head and goes, oh, right, that this is the kind of film we're going to watch, actually. Yeah, it just takes its time, which is is nice to kind of set up this um, juxtaposition to come in later. You've got demons, they're evil, they torture people, murder us, but they can also have a fun time. <laughs> I, I can, I'm can, i just picturing that in my head, if it was done nowadays, how meta it would be and how much I'd hate this fucking thing entirely if, like, millennials had a shot at this. It'd be the worst thing fucking ever, this concept. I'd rather not think about it. It'd be like another one of those... Uh... Like the new Scream film where it's just like constantly, it's just really overly meta. Yeah, where it just, it start making references to fucking everything openly. Oh god, it'd be miserable. Oh yeah, with, with that, you get this far more fun. You know, playing it for laughs. They know what to play for laughs, they know what to not play for laughs. When he cuts his wrist, all that stuff, not his wrist, sorry, his um, palm, they know to leave that alone until far later into the film. There's a few other things they kind of leave, but when they get going, they really do get going. Uh, in terms of Lowe himself, I don't know what the budget was for this, but either way, the design on Lowe is great. Um, he, he's the one, the only demon, I think, that didn't look Power Rangery. <laughs> the others do somewhat. The Nazi one definitely does. He's got that element of campy 80s to him. Lowe actually looks like he could work in a, a normal budget Kind of like, I suppose, triple A Hollywood feature. I think the design certainly, the design's really nice. Um, maybe spruce it up a bit, but it's great for what it is. The hair on the arms, kind of that attention to detail, the frog spawn thing on the back of his head. Uh, he's got a kind of pale man from um, Pan's Labyrinth thing going on with the face. I suppose more like Abe, Abe Sinian from uh, Hellboy back in the day, but it, it does look really good. Looks, it looks great, and he's kind of just waddling along, dragging his feet by his hands as they've been crippled. Which obviously you find later is because he took the book and fucked off to sleep with Justin. And then head back. Yeah, it just looks great. Absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, he's been working on this shit for a while, from what I've seen, so he's had his experience pushing on this. Uh, and he indicates his great power by showing off a retarded Grinch, basically, and then killing it. Um, the Grinch keeps coming back, though. Yeah, I, I think he's just summoning it and killing it and summoning it back. Yeah, it's like this, I don't know, it's almost like this sort of gag, because there, there are times when the, the Grinch is dancing and such as well. I'm not quite sure what that was about. <laughs> it's kind of kind of funny, kind of interesting, that weird little Grinch thing appear. Yeah, it's an amusing little throwaway kind of gag. And Justin's facial expressions at it are always sort of confused, uh, abject horror. It's like, ah! Oh. It should be said as well, that's the only kind of joke like that in the film where they just put something completely random up. You go, what, what? And then it's not explained whatsoever. I don't know. There's a lot of jokes that are sort of, I mean, that is definitely like the, the one it's just sort of random and not explained. But there's definitely a lot of random, but there's definitely random and explained though. Yeah, I think they have substance to them. I think that, that does stand out on its own as something, and they don't overuse that to go woo random and then push on to something else. I think it's structured otherwise, 
and that does kind of take you out immediately. It's why it works. It's the only kind of thing of its own. The dialogue as well is kind of quippy, uh, pretty funny, back and forth stuff. It's not Marvel quippy though. No, Marvel pisses me, pisses me off. But it's it's like it knows when to knows when to you know calm itself down. Yeah, it, it keeps the tension flowing throughout it. There's always this slight hostility to everything in there. It's not tension breaking so much as just amusing. There's always this kind of power dynamics playing off between the two of them where they're trying to um, break each other down, really. Or, uh, as far as I see it, April's trying to get him to unsummon her so she doesn't have to deal with any of this. Doesn't want to, feels too fucking depressed about it, and he's obviously trying to get April back. And there is this back and forth that never chummy at any point. Uh, I think even in the Marvel films with the villain and the uh, hero, there's always this bizarre buddy-buddy element to it that never quite sat right with me. And well, I don't know. I, I Marvel just... Things in Marvel, like, Marvel, like, never actually... Like, the characters are never ever seen in any sort of danger. And, like, the, at least in this, Justin gets shits... His, you know, he shits his pants at times, which is fair enough. And then there are other times when he's, he's like, trying to build the courage and assert that he... He's the one that commands the demon in the situation. But, you know, it, it, it seems like it's something that he's afraid to do and seems like something that, like, takes courage to do rather than just, ha-ha, I don't give a fuck because I'm four or whatever. I think it partially works that the demon's the one that makes the quips all the way oh, through. Yeah, and the demon... Yeah, Justin doesn't. The demon's got the power here, you feel, even with the circle and stuff. Justin doesn't have the courage to do anything with that. And the uh, the demon, obviously Justin says, like, bring me April. Um, and the demon has to abide by his will, but the demon sort of has. So it doesn't actually yeah. have to do anything. By existing, it already has, yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of awkward. Did did you work out? Just wondering what, what the actual twist was before the end. What, but it was April? Yeah. I'm going to be honest here, and I've not told you this yet, but it was thought to me. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, so when I was watching it, uh, there was like a sort of middle area, and um, I was like on my phone for a bit, and I was uh, I, I looked up the trailer for Low, and just started reading YouTube comments, and then in there some guy just said some guy like in a compl- like in a completely confused way just asked, "Oh, so was Low April the entire time?" What a dick! Like, like and then like and then like people were commenting like, "Are you are you fucking stupid?" and things like that. It was just like a YouTube like comment section argument on the trailer. No, fair enough. That's a shame. In fact, I didn't uh, get. I didn't. I'm always too dense with this shit every time. It didn't. The first half, I had no idea at all. But as I say, it was just like the second half. Because I, I did watch it, um, like uh, into like pushes. Work, so oh, yeah. I had to go back, do some more work, and search. And when I was on, like, I'm doing work, that's when I, I was, like, looking up the trailer and things. So I didn't watch it all the way through, all in one, like, sprint. Oh, fair enough, I get you. Yeah, I was just wondering, to be fair, sorry, I couldn't get fucking anywhere with it. Um, I just quickly going through a couple of the quips, just to give you a kind of idea as well. I think the other difference is the quips in this are a bit more biting. We've got a bit more of a push to them, and there is always this kind of slightly serious tone where you uh, realise, oh, yeah, Lowe's torturing these people, or April's torturing them. In terms of the hell bits, and there's always that demolic element. What, what the fuck is it? Um, yeah, where he, where he asks, where he, Justin says, "Oh, you took her to hell," and then he says, "No, I didn't." 
So, well, one of you took her, and then uh, Lo responds with, you're a racist, aren't you? Just one of you lot. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, there were just these fun little off-pushes. So they're not breaks in tension so much, because you've still got that power dynamic through, but it does add something to the tone. It helps it truck along somewhat and pads out the 80 minutes. I don't want to say pads out, because I really did enjoy it, the back and forth, but uh, it, it gives some content, some substance to what otherwise would just be emotionless dialogue back and forth. I think, so with that, like, we've, uh, you know, like, uh, the, um, you've seen the first flashback and you've seen the restaurant scene, and it's weird, the flashbacks always have these, like, faces on the walls that are constantly pulling these funny expressions. Well, it's just to be theatrical, isn't it? It's the, old, it yeah, it's the old Greek kind of, you know, the happy, sad face. You never yeah. seen some twat mind do the, like, they have a happy face, they put their hand over their face, and then it's a sad face. The execution of it to have these like faces and the walls reminded me of the like, two thousand and four horror games. <laughs> you know, it's just like, all the organs and shit everywhere. Um, it's like Quake Four, for example, where like, it's yeah. like it's gonna ask specifics like fucking blood rain. Stuff oh, I don't know I don't know blood rain as such, but I was thinking at Doom Three Quake Four where it's like really weird gore and like like arms and things like sticking out of the walls. Uh, I was sort of wondering if the faces were supposed to be the point of view that Lowe and Justin were seeing this from, or they were just like they were just in the flashback for Justin to see. I'd say with the applause and everything and the laughter that's added in, um, with the I think they're just theatrical. They're meant to be set dressing. I think they're set dressing though, created by Lowe, aren't they? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They're created there by yeah. Lowe to for for Justin's sake, I suppose, or for his own entertainment. Probably throwing entertainment. And again, I still think it's like as a test. Yeah. I do. If that's how you're taking it, it, with the popcorn and everything, yeah, I don't think it is half that. I mean, the flashback itself, we said earlier, it went through two different forms. You have Justin's actual version where April's like a borderline fucking brain dead, non human. <laughs> um, quite how the fucking tin man Justin didn't realise, oh there's something genuinely wrong with this girl, I should take her into psychiatric help through it I don't know, she didn't know what a book was, or she knew what a book was but she never read anything um, except she, from this uh, weird flesh made book yeah, a weird flesh made book that she keeps in a box, she doesn't have a job she <laughs> hasn't ate a salad before at some point, alarm bells should be ringing on saying that, oh, this girl was in a cult in an underground nuclear bunker and I really should take it to the police now. This girl is completely batshit insane because she does come across as completely batshit insane. Now, the question is, is she hot enough for you not to care? <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I didn't expect that. Um... Maybe actress is like. There's always that scale. Maybe maybe that's Justin. Maybe that's why he's uh, bringing demons on. This is the best he could get. He's not I mean, got any. But you know, she's she's definitely like above average and attractive. So he's probably like, yeah, sure. Uh, this is like my fantasy to have some like weird girl who doesn't know anything about anything drop from the fall <laughs> from the sky. And like, she's she's definitely better looking than he is. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. punchy. Punching above his weight. It might just be like a weird science thing. Having a having a girl that's like your beck and whim, more or less. <laughs> it sounds so bad. This slight, <laughs> this slight little bit of power you've got. Because 
Yeah, she can't order a taxi. She, it's what's that fucking um song, the Christmas song from way back in the day by uh, Dean Martin? That's cold outside. I, I could call you a ride because you fucking can't. You're stuck here, otherwise you don't know how to use a phone. Fuck you. <laughs> I think it's more romantic than I'm pointing it out to thee, but I, I think he is just naive as shit. The scenes were cute. I I, yeah. I don't think he's naive. I just think he's like fucking lonely. And yeah, you know, he just wants something to do. Like I almost think he's sort of the perfect candidate for it. You know, it's fair. He is eating out alone. Salad. That's that's sad. <laughs> eating salad alone. That's miserable. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, like eating out? That's something to do for fun, right? Why the fuck would you order a salad with that? Like just nothing but greens and tomatoes. That is miserable. No, maybe he's get like maybe he's already fallen to the slushy side, the uh, pinhead side, and he's getting his pain in before his pleasure. <laughs> Croutons as well. That's that's just so fucking tedious. Um, playing by the way, if anyone was curious, here's my classical fucking piano line coming in here. Uh, Dance macabre by uh, Sanson and yeah, Sansons. What's this? Uh, the music that was playing. Over oh. the dinner scene, just in case anyone was curious, that whole da na 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 that you hear constantly. If you look it up, you you'll recognise it. I guarantee it. Um, which originally, and I may be wrong here. I actually haven't looked it up since doing some theory, like way back in the day. I think it was on how uh, death is a kind of great social equaliser. Fuck knows that has any bearing on the actual film, but hey, you learn some every day. It's one of those like classics you get, um, like Flight of the Valkyries and shit. It's just everywhere, Ode to Joy, but no one knows what the actual name is half the time. Shit, you have to, I constantly have to look these up to really remind myself because they piss me off all the time. And yeah, with all this, uh, April steals all his food and shit. They end up deciding to date. April makes up her name. On the spot. I think that was the one thing that annoyed me a little bit um, in terms of the twist at the end, re-watching it at least, where April is a borderline like naive puppy. Yeah. She reminds me of a fucking like caveman that's been re-emerged into the modern age and is learning everything as she goes. Mm. Whereas Lowe comes off as a genuinely intelligent and, and quite witty uh, well, demon. Yeah. And I I can't imagine Lowe having the same problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean, but to what extent? I don't know. Maybe, maybe like. I feel like Lowe wouldn't have an issue coming up with the date, coming up with a name just on the spot immediately. I feel like. Yeah, would, Lowe just come across as really smart. He uh, wouldn't have a problem with a lot of this stuff, like the present thing later. I feel like he'd immediately go, sorry, I didn't. I might be sending, giving you my book now, yeah. Yeah, not even that. It's like when he gives a present, she looks really confused. Like, you're giving this to me. Why are you giving this to me? And so I feel like Lowe would immediately know what's happening. Would have researched it or something like that. Yeah, or at least would understand the concept to some extent. They'd have some awareness to go, yeah, this is present giving. I understand this because I, on Christmas I fucking rip someone's dick off and shove it in another one's mouth as a gift. I don't think that's a terrible point, but it's hard sometimes to pick your April and Lois the same person. But it also kind of makes the ending like really sweet, considering like I, I don't, it, it does it does make the ending look sweeter. Like if, if April came across as this like know it all, I don't think he would have quite 
I don't think April would have. I don't think it would have been as touching. No, you, like, you're not wrong. Yeah, so alien. You're not wrong at all. Um, I don't know how I'd rewrite it. I, I don't think I, I could think of a way to do it. That that was. I think it's just an unsolvable problem, at least for me. Um, it it came across nice otherwise. For all this, and it, it was very sweet, all the way through. All three scenes are very very sweet. All the way, and she makes up her name. I think going through the most of the year, which could have been fucking awkward. <laughs> <laughs> she can't with almost anything else. Yeah, and I, I said before that you, you get the inkling, and it's it's quite nice actually that April definitely doesn't come across as human. And with the book that you see with Justin, obviously he's to summon stuff, and with the bag that she has, you put two and two together fairly quickly. You, you think that, oh yeah, she's she's clearly a demon or from hell or something like this. And with the added benefit of uh, Low either being a friend or a colleague kind of insinuated at, the red herring really does stand up through the film. At least for me it did. At least I uh, didn't run across spoilers all the way through this. But they work hard, clearly, to keep you from trying to guess there's going to be a twist at the end. No, I didn't think that. I didn't think there was going to be a twist at all until obviously I saw a YouTube comment. Like, the YouTube comment... Um... Really did, uh, really did spoil it for me. I, I, like, I did not see it coming at all. Like, I just thought, I just thought the film would end by them going on some weird, like, magical trip through hell and then retrieving and then like seeing April and then like him dying. I, that's kind of how I thought it was gonna go. You're kind of expecting a, uh, a kind of uh, the the Totoro song. You seen that in South Park where he goes around on Cthulhu. Yeah, I was more thinking of like Richard Breen, is that his name? What, Neil Breen? Neil Breen, I was more thinking of like a Neil Breen set piece at the end when they're like fighting demons and shit. That's how I was imagining it to go, like like about 20 minutes in. Especially that sort of singing bit. I'd fucking love a remake of this where April decides to stay with fucking. I can't. How have I forgotten his name already? Uh, fucking Justin. Where April decides to stay with Justin, and there is this like Cthulhu Totoro scene where he's just going through hell zapping people. <laughs> they become this power couple, just torturing for the rest of their days. How quaint. I'm talking about not subtle though, <laughs> and uh, pushing on that. The demon that actually attacks April at the end and uh, comes in, summons himself basically to meet the person who fucked a demon, which, yeah, fair enough. I'd want to meet him. Uh, what did you reckon to that? The five-minute song yeah. sequence? The song sequence is really strange. I mean, like they're just sort of saying that April's a demon, because at that point, it's not been stated like outright that April's, that April's a demon. Oh, I think so... it's quite nice, but it's implied fucking heavily, and the audience should be getting it. I Maybe this is me having watched it twice. Uh, it's like there are so many hints here and there, and I feel like this is the demon saying to both Justin and the audience, "Look, she's a demon." Again, like I, I, I didn't didn't get get in through Justin's head at least. Like you know, Justin's in denial the whole way through. And yeah, I suppose you are right about um, just you know, just spells it out obviously for Justin. In terms of the audience, I'm not sure because I've seen plenty of like rom-coms where you know the female protagonist isn't a demon where she comes across as a complete bit <laughs> no, that's that's fair so i feel like they're spelling it out for everyone 
because it, I don't think it is still necessarily obvious at that point. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Did you like the song? Ah, uh, it was all right. It was just a bit weird, just a bit jarring, especially especially because I wasn't really sure what the tone was going to be of that film at that point. And like the, the Nazi demon who sings it as well, like his costume looks so Power Rangery. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's got that eighties vibe just completely down. When you contrast it with Low as well, who clearly they put all the effort into and looks great, genuinely. So they look slimy. I just... <laughs> that demon, that demon dance scene, it was so jarring, so weird. Well, they probably went for the right uh, song genre if they were going to go for that kind of minimalist, almost um, Frank Sinatra style balladeering with a bit of an accompaniment on behind. I mean, for some, when I was watching, I was thinking of like Barney the Dinosaur or some shit. Like, and there was like, you know, like going out, an audience of children clapping to it. It's kind of the vibe I got. I don't know. That sounds like hell. Genuinely, my hell. I, I could see that him doing that, surrounding me with a load of fucking children in an audience, just playing Barney shit and pantomimes for the rest of my life. That's that's how it. That's the sort of vibe it got me. Like the pantomime sort of vibe is how it is what I got. I was just like, this is so. And I know it's like demons, and so, so the whole the whole thing was just really bizarre. It's just pure evil for you. He does like his musicals, by the looks of things. Um, yeah, I mean, then there's a, another musical as well, uh, a bit later on. But what? So I'm trying to remember how, because this part now is where I sort of zoned out a little bit. This middle part where it was, because uh, we're like half, we're just over half an hour in now. Pretty much, yeah. Um, well, the, the problem is. The, the whole film's building up to this bit where either April's shown or she isn't. And it just circles around in on itself. Um, and I enjoyed the back and forth all the way, but there's no point in me going over every line of dialogue. You know, yeah. you're going to watch it at some point, uh, people listening, and you can judge for yourselves and enjoy it in that way. You don't need me to do a fucking audiobook on the thing. But, yeah, it's there's not much to go over, really. There's just the bits and pieces, the set pieces that are kind of interesting. Um, so, more or less, after the Nazi demon fucks off... It's talking to him, isn't it? Yeah, it, it goes into a Evil Dead 2 kind of vibe, really, where his hand opens up. Uh, you see a lot of stuff about Faust as, Faust as well, by the way, um, who... Legend about puppets and shit. Uh, basically someone being turned into a marionette, made a deal with the devil, all that kind of shit. There's there's a load of that referenced all the way through it. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, you get an Evil Dead section where at first his mind, is, his kind of thoughts are projecting outwards and he can hear them being pushed out. And then eventually it's his hand actually verbalising that. The cut he made earlier slipped his palm. It starts speaking out, which I think, I'm pretty sure is a model. Like a wax model that they're just so. messing with you. <laughs> that or God knows what he stuck that cut into. Yeah, it was a really weird scene. Like it was just, it was just like him arguing with himself over like because his his hand comes up again a bit later on, and his hand is like his rational, his brain, and it's it wants him to just get the fuck out of there and give up on April. And then he himself is like arguing from his heart, and it yeah, it's it's. This sort of part of the film, for me at least, this middle part of the film, I thought wasn't was was less interesting than the rest. Of it. I do quite like how his hand hallucinations more um, reasonable and realistic than his actual person. 
but massively but as i say i feel like the hand is like supposed to be his brain it's supposed to be his rationality rational thought thinking yeah i mean it, it comes straight from his head doesn't it it's the actual thoughts being projected out coming there the arguments back and forth i think at some point Lowe says basically as long as you spend in the circle the more insane you go right. and, and eventually was closing he says yeah you're gonna lose it and which i think it, it's obviously you don't see it physically sh- smallening shortening um, but yeah. he, he's going mental basically little by little and he's willing to put up with it longer and longer which i suppose is why april does eventually just show herself when he after he poisons himself and again i feel like that's like the 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 uh, high point of the test. It's like the culmination of the tests up until that point. I don't think he was like testing him from a rational perspective, but I think it was like low slash April thinking like, mm, is this was this entire thing genuine? And like the more he thinks about it, and the more he sees Justin's like like uh, a devotion, the more he re- more they realise it's it's a genuine thing. I mean, fact, a genuine... We get that scene about forty nine minutes in, I think fifty minutes in, um, with the two people who were tortured by April. I'd say that's a pretty high point of devotion there. Seeing seeing what April is is capable of. Yeah, um, on May and June. (laughs) You see that? That's the kind of maybe 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 she just doesn't have names. Maybe that's all she can go down. Push. You see that? That actually fair. That's the wit I'm talking about. Where clearly this thing can come up with names on the spot, and there is just a dissonance between April and Low. Yeah. If you can go, oh, that's called a May and June as a joke, then you can clearly come up with names 100% and don't have to go through months of the fucking year. Unless it was born like the day before it met Justin. <sighs> um, the two people in hell, I mean, they go through these horrific tortures that just get ridiculous, over-the-top stuff, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Where he's, I say kind of funny, I'm going to sound like a fucking monster now. <laughs> he's dragged across a cheese crater by two demons and his back goes to ribbons his head's stuck into a blender remember that um, and they end up arguing over each other There's, I think probably for me the funniest line in the film where one of them says something like we should have used in vitro before demons oh right because they used they made a deal with them and deal with the devil to have a line didn't they have a child rather yeah and someone said maybe we should have tried in vitro first yeah. yeah, as I said, this part of the film I didn't really remember that well because I didn't. But I that it was like relatively interesting. Oh, the, the, the conversation with those people, but yeah, that they argue back and forth. It's hard to do torture stuff because so many other films have done torture stuff like better. So it's and I get it, it's like their budget and stuff, so it can just they just add their own little like spin on like a low budget sort of silly dialogue spin onto it but it, for me it's like well, if, if they'd have gone full sore or hostile it would have ruined the tone a hundred percent if they'd have gone Hellraiser style it took you ugh, it took you way out of it maybe I don't know because I just for me personally personally I just sort of felt this middle section of the film was a little bit was a little bit on the it's meandering it I'll give you that but if they'd have done that yeah I, I, I just don't see that as coming off well um, especially with the budget they've got, they wouldn't be able to pull it off anyway. But if they weren't like full hostile, it, it wouldn't have been fun. Really I, weird. Yeah, I don't know what that would have served for anyone really. And just hearing about it's enough to get the point across that April is a piece of shit. She's an awful fuck. Well, I say an awful person. She's a demon, so this is what you should expect. 
Yeah. And this is where I'd kind of go, yeah, I'm going to want summon you now. Do you reckon, like, April, not April, uh, May and June were actually real people that she tortured or it tortured? Or were just, like, apparitions to just, just prove a point that, like, April's a demon, April, another test, so to speak? Was it just, like, more like, are you willing to still, like, devote yourself to April, knowing this is what April's capable of? You know, like, being... Being those those just like apparitions to represent possible truth rather than than actually being torture victims. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a trying to testing what love's limits are. Exactly, Redeemer's yeah. perspective. Um. Hmm. Well, you know what? I I I I'm I'm hedging my bets on yes, they are real, or at least they're indicative of stuff she has done anyway. Yeah, I, I thought that. I thought it was more of an indicative rather than because I, I personally, my theory is that those two were just created on the spot and like given the because ne- they even like you know they, they they like just say those names or is it June, uh, May and June, and I think that they're like like a representation of what April has done in the past rather than current victims of April. You know, it's fair. Everything else is illusionary anyway, like the theater scenes, obviously the rock scenes, and me personally, if I was. Uh through hell constantly like scraped against a cheese grater like a bit of red leicester i think my words out of my mouth when i was brought out would either be ah or oh my god thank god yeah stops for a bit they've stopped grating me yeah it might be my first port of call i don't know even the torture methods that they describe are sort of like um, reminiscent, you like they use like low, sort of sick sense of humor, yeah, whether it's really over the top and bizarre and almost like stupid uh torture mm. methods, which which is you know hints back to Lowe's really sardonic sense of humor, yeah. At least it's, it's, I think it's more fun that way. If I'm going to be tortured, I'd rather it be ironic, mm. I think that's more fun than just being burnt alive for all eternity. I'd rather someone's having some entertainment at my torture than no one is. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm such a philanthropist in that way. Even if it is the devil. Fuck it. Who That's knows? Interesting. Every time there's a flashback, it's because he says, Lowe says to, to Justin, if you want to see if you want to see April again, I need like emotional memories. So it's again, it, it knocks back to that testing. It's like, what what are the emotional memories for for April and do you have any and you know seeing if they co- correspond to each other? You see, for me that that was April either trying to relive that or again trying to work out well what the hell is love then? What the hell happened at I this point? Those are, those go hand in hand. What what is love and the testing love's limits and testing what is is your love genuine? I think that those two are linked. Yeah, no, that that, that works. And so we can kind of like skip over the second revisit then. Is that that mostly covers it? It's basically where they just exchange gifts. Uh, he mm-hmm. gives over Doctor Faust basically uh, deal with the devil stuff from what I remember, and um, April shows him the book with the eye ringing out. She must have been really good in bed. <laughs> that, that that would have been a. I'm going to leave now. No, there's there's a lot of red flags. Fucking more red flags. So now, I suppose, oh yeah, she orders him to burn the book, but he, he obviously hasn't burnt the book. But a scene that I actually did find quite interesting 
uh, which I found quite fun, to be fair, even though it was in the middle of the film and I was just moaning about the middle of the film, was the, uh, the bartender scene. Well, yeah, it has a very... Um, sil- uh, that's just silent fucking hell. Um, the Shining kind of feel to it. Yeah. Where Torrance has given all the glasses. Uh, obviously, he ends up taking poison for all this after being tricked. I say tricked by Lowe. I actually don't know how to put on a second viewing. I don't know how to uh, quite <laughs> dictate that. I, I, well, he, does, he does sort of strongly imply that it would be a potion that kills him, takes him to hell, because he says, in order to get to, you've got to go to July, and this potion will take you there. Like, how else do you interpret that? He's just not openly outright saying it. Yeah, and I, I think part of Justin knew. Oh wait, there is there is one thing. Low does deceive him quite massively by saying that it would take you there safely. Oh, he, he does do that, yeah. That's, that's just a completely. That. That's just a complete lie. Yeah, that that is a full on just out and out. And the uh, the other demon comes up to taunt him a bit. How do we know it's even poison? It might not have even been poison. You know, I doubt it was. Honest to God, is like April clearly does love him. For anyone coming back right now. If this is slightly disconnected from the original, that's my fault. I was playing music for about 30 seconds there, and I'm an idiot, and it comes into the recording when I'm using this particular software. If it's slightly disconnected from what we were saying before, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, bartending and stuff. Giving the drink, giving the poison to, from your perspective, test to some extent. As far as I'm concerned, it's to see what kind of the limits of love are. And to get him to fuck off as well at the same time. I think that'd be a happy benefit. A bit of sweet, really, I suppose. If it had just left and said, no, I'm done now. But he ain't leaving. No, he's uh, he's in it for the long haul. You could you could strip his skin off the first layer. <laughs> you could be threatening him with Pinhead. And this, this guy would still be sitting there quite happily. Pushing on, threatening to throw him in the world of Mad God. And this guy would be trucking along. <laughs> There is actually a pretty good question, a pretty good conversation between the bartender and Justin, which is when they're trying to define love, and like Justin's like, no, you can't define it; it'd be impossible to define it. Right before the the, the, the right before the waiter leaves in frustration. Yeah, pretty. That's a pretty good piece of dialogue. Because as I said, like, the middle part of the film, I did quite like this waiter bit thing, and I think that's kind of a the peak of the waiter bit. Yeah, it's the demon perspective trying to push into it, and it's it's obviously pushing love as a, a spiritual thing, as um, a very human emotion that demons just can't get close to, can't acquire, and it feels like that, you know, when you when you're in love. It uh, this is the, the fucking singers have been singing about it for years. It's, it's one of the, <laughs> the main pushes. Yeah, I, I know you turned into the demon just then. Yeah. <laughs> So how do I rationalise this thing? Well, you see, Hollywood and the music industry. <laughs> They've been coming to terms with it for years. Um, <laughs> and it, it's a different definition to every single person. You know, there's a different different idea of what love is to the individual. That's, that's how we'll go for a corporate <clears throat> viewpoint on what love is. I have a, I have a translation. Love is making a shot to the knees of a target. Love is knowing your target, putting them in your targeting reticule, and together achieving a singular purpose against statistically long odds. Thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks for the translation for the meat bags out there. 
He probably has a better idea of what it is than the demons in this, to be fair. I don't think so, actually. I think, I, 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 oddly enough, I think HK47 from, <laughs> from Star Wars Night's the Republic is actually more distant from love than, than, than Lois, even yes. though Lois like, pretends he doesn't understand it. He still clearly does. Like, he still clearly feels it, he just can't rationalise it, whereas like the robot HK47 can't understand it at all. And that, that was my uh, date tomorrow. I was going to get a Dragnov out, shoot a few people in the streets <laughs> of the girl. That's that out the window. Yeah, he's just contesting with it low, though. He's clearly an anomaly within demon kind. Um, and the, the waiter, I think, is part of low as well, trying to rationalise. I think that's just, it's not a different demon, you know, it's not a different thing. That's an illusion from Lowe and Lowe talking to Justin just through a different medium, really. Yeah. I think except for the green demon, which I do genuinely think is a different uh, being entirely. The Grinch is just the chaotic demon. I'm not saying the Grinch, sorry. Um, the Power Ranger one that's in the rock band. Oh, right, yeah, I yeah, yeah. genuinely think during that it is the same one that attacked them later on. Well, uh, everything think- else is from Lowe. Just after this, we actually return to that demon, to the Nazi demon. Yeah, conversation back and forth. Honestly, yeah, I was kind of with you here. I was, I was slightly pushed out of it and trucking along. Um, it's just circling back and forth until it gets towards the end. If you want to mention anything about it, go ahead. Well, I mean, this scene's fairly important because it does show the Nazi demon actually did kidnap. Oh, uh, of course, you're talking think. about the bedroom. The bedroom scene, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we get to the get to the bedroom scene. Uh the final of the three flashbacks where in uh, April and Justin join their life in a shitty presumably one bed apartment. And this green demon eventually comes to take the book, take April. Jeez. After well to fair, take the book and April sacrifices herself to save Justin. That's right, yeah. I'll go as well so long as I can as long as I can repair Justin healing. Well what a beautiful sentiment. Repair the poor bastard on the bed. He's got a cool scar though. I'll take that. Mm. Cool looking slash across the across the body. There's there's a little battle with um sword, axe and the like. I say cool battle. Power Rangers battle. Goofy, yeah. the, the choreography. I think it's fitting with the film's tone generally. It's it's definitely in fitting in keeping with um, Travis's previous works. Um, shit, so what the hell was that one, buddy? Basically, basically the end now. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, there's some conversation back and forth between Low and Justin within this section. Eventually, it culminates within Justin being as stubborn as he is, refusing to send Lowe back, do any of this stuff. And we get the reveal, finally, that Lowe is, in fact, uh, April. In a very nice manner, actually. Um, where... Even kiss. Sorry? Even kiss. So you could just... I, I was... Yeah. Knowing... Never realising that Lowe is April. And this kissing scene, I was sort of imagining actually kissing low and how kind of gross that would be what was it i asked you the other day if um if a nosferatu wanted to sleep with you would you say yes 
just to see what it felt like. Could be a little bit like that. Yeah, he said no, just to throw everyone out there. I'd, I'd, I'd go for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a trier. I'm a doer. I'm going to push the envelope, and if uh, the ugly Nosferatu wants to sleep with me, I'll, I'll try that. Why not? Be the one step for mankind. One <laughs> giant rotted dick for one myself. Horrendous evening. How would you get to? I, I I would yeah I'd I'd kiss low. Let's see what it's like to kiss a demon. I'm not so. Uh... What's interesting though is uh, how at the end when they kiss does did, did low go into the circle to kiss or April go into the circle or did Justin come out of the circle? You know what? I can't remember um at all now thinking about it. But either way. If Lo went into the circle, that means he could have always gone into the circle. So she was never going to. And if he went out of the circle, then obviously. I suppose it's actually a bigger impact if Lo went into the circle. Thinking about it, that's, that's more. More fuck. of a twist as well in the itself. Not. I'm trying to think. It's just more. Um, not, not important. I can't think of the word at all. It's on tip of my tongue. <laughs> It's more of a revelation, I suppose, if Lowe slash April could have killed him whenever and decided not to at any point and was just playing with him this whole time. If you get what I mean? Oh, no, she does make him say a spell. Oh, she's... Yeah. No shit. The spell is probably what allows the... Uh, breaks the barrier. That's a... Fuck me. And allows him to interact. Well, either way, yeah. They... They kiss, they go for all that. As I said, it changes context of a lot of pieces of dialogue in the film it's it's a really fun twist that i myself i'm a moron so i never get these things but i think it was well done yeah and then uh, she leaves for hell heads off to presumably because this fucker summoned demons to see him in about 40 to 50 years yeah it's a pretty sad ending you just enjoy the rest of your life I'll see you in 40 to 50 years, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he burns the book. I don't know if that redeems him in the eyes of whatever god this realm has. Probably not. Yeah. It was a pretty sad ending. I was, I, was very, I was very touched by the ending, moved by the ending. It's quite, quite good. I think it's you, the be- you, best way to end it. It's a, yeah, I agree. Could have been some Neil Breen cheese, but um, they, they went with something quite poignant. That's how I'll put it. it. It brought a small tear to my eye. Yeah, See, so actual love go beyond the bounds of species, as it were. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in terms of just general at the end of everything, summary, all that. Yeah, I, I do really like this. Second viewing is better than the first, genuinely. I'll say it goes from like a seven out of ten to like a nine for me. I really do love these styles of films. These very theatrical, uh, conversational things. Especially where there's a power dynamic between the two and they're kind of fighting, in essence. Obviously, with the, when you watch it the second time through, it completely changes. But the first time, there's just this really fun um, cat and mouse. Not, not even, yeah, it's just cat and mouse. With the demon dangling everything over Justin and Justin trying to regain that. Very fun. And learning things little bit by bit. Uh, I wholeheartedly recommend watching it. And I will try to find the rest of Travis's works um, <laughs> his feature films through this 
I saw that, you know, watch Bump as well. That was really fun, the short he did, and watch, um, I can't remember the name of the vampire one, but it's the most recent on there, I think. There's also one with paper mache and um, a cat and some mice stuff. That's That was quite fun. A lot a lot of the shorts on there were, were really interesting, to be fair. Uh, Mike, you got an ending summary? Uh, not particular. I do think it was pretty pretty cool. Uh, I did like it. Um, overall, I have to say that yeah, the middle did, did bore me a bit, but the ending was really good. Yeah, fair enough. That's it. Oh, um, in terms of recommendations outside of this, I have, I'm actually I'm going to go back, to be honest, to some of the films I talked about at the start that kind of have this theatrical bent to them uh, that do kind of have a quippy... I don't want to say quippy because it does evoke the kind of Marvel idea, but a certain vibe to them that pushes it along. I'll, I'll actually just go with My Dinner with Andre. If you enjoyed this, watch that. It's a film with actor's name, who I can't remember said my life. Now, Wallace Shawn, that's the one. Very fun, very interesting, differently done. Uh, Mike, you got any idea what you'd recommend, kind of in the same style? Um... Literally, no. I, I mean, we spoke about like films that I think are sort of kind of related in terms of like the demon sort of stuff and summoning demons, but I don't really think the actual like execution is anything like this. So, uh, I'm gonna have to say I cannot think of anything. In fact, actually, maybe I can. From like, the perspective of indie horror, that's uh, really well done. I think Mad God. Yeah, absolutely classic. Indie. indie. Actually, you know what? I'll take on the same bent as that as well. I'll say um, Glorious, which is a film about Glory Hole with J.K. Simmons. Net Eldritch Glory Hole. <laughs> it's very fun. It's about 80 minutes as well. Very, very funny. Very interesting. Um, and that's that's where we're going to finish off, I suppose. Yeah, it's recommended. It's a fun film from an indie director. A, a hidden gem. Genuinely, I would call this a hidden gem. Um, I'll finish off reminding you about a sponsor and our new sponsor, BetterHelp, in case you need therapy after having gone through Red Shadow Legends and realised you wasted your life playing that shit. <laughs> what a fucking roll tonight. <laughs> I'm so happy <laughs> pushing on this. There's no way I'm going to top this one. <laughs> uh, have a good one, and we'll see you next time. See ya.